So I, I feel a little bit this morning like I'm um, cheating us a little bit. Um, we're not necessarily doing a typical New Year's sermon. Um, you know, you come in this place, you're excited to be back in church, check one week off, we're here, we got 52 to go, you know, we made it week one, we got everybody dressed, we got to church, and we want to focus on the new year, and we are going to do that somewhat, but this sermon's going to serve us more as a bridge between last week's sermon and next week's sermon. So if you were not here with us last week, which um, based off attendance, you probably weren't, um, <laughs> last week's sermon Pastor Keith introduced a series that we're in called Made New, and this is a series where we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21, and we're talking about what does it mean to be made new in Christ. And Keith did a wonderful job setting up this series, just explaining what does it look like to be made new in Christ, what should our life look like, how should we live, what has God called us to, and then next week... Pastor Derek is going to be talking about the ministry that we've been given in Christ. Paul uses this word where he says we are now ambassadors for Christ. And what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, this week is kind of the two verses that are smack dab in the middle, 18 and 19, talking about how is that even possible? How are we made new in Christ? And so this morning we're going to look at those two verses. So you can go ahead and turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 21. And we're going to talk about how are we made new in Christ. And, and I want to remind us, for some of us in the room, this would be an easy sermon for us to be like, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that. I want you to stick with me until the very end. Because the reminder of how we're reconciled to God should motivate our entire lives. Like while I said I'm cheating you a little bit, like this isn't a typical like New Year's sermon, it is a reminder that our identity in Christ should be an outflow for everything we do in our life. And so knowing that we're made new is probably the most important thing for us to remind ourselves of in this new year. But if we don't know how we're made new, and in fact I'm going to petition that sometimes we forget what we're even made new for, we struggle to understand how to live. And we attach all these things to our life that maybe don't matter. Maybe they're not the most important thing. And so we're going to talk about how do we get there, and then the last few minutes we'll kind of set up next week, and we'll also say again, what are we reconciled to God to? So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21 this morning. These are Paul's words to the church in Corinth. From now on, therefore, we regard ourselves we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is, new, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God has reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespassing against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray as we reflect upon Paul's words to the church in Corinth, 
Um, God, that as we sit in the room, as a majority of us as believers that have been made new in you, um, that you've given us a new purpose, you've given us a new identity, that God, you would remind ourselves today of what a blessing that it is that you've reconciled us back to you. I mean, God, and even beyond that, the ministry that you've now given each and every one of us in the room, that God, that you reconciled us back to you for our benefit, but not only that, Lord, that you've given us a ministry of reconciliation. And so I pray, Father, that we leave this place today with people on our minds, people on our hearts that you've called us to reach with the gospel message this year, the people that you've placed in our proximity, God, that, God, we wouldn't just rest in the truth of the gospel message for ourselves, but we wouldn't be able to help to share it with every person that we interact with. To your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. I'm going to do something that some of you aren't going to like to start this, but I've taken up the habit recently where I like writing in my Bible. I expect to get some like, because <gasps> some people really don't like to do that. But I want to encourage you, if you were to look at verse 18 and 19, and if you're willing to write in your Bible, I'm not going to ask you to write in it, I'm going to ask you to underline it. We're not adding words to the passage today, we're just merely highlighting them. I'm going to encourage you to highlight, underline a few words in these two verses here that we're going to look at this morning. And this will kind of serve us as our outline. So verse 18 begins, and it says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul thought this was so important that he repeats it again in verse 19. That that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespassing against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The first word I want you to underline in here is found in the beginning of verse 18 where it says, all of this is from God. All of this is from God, underline from God, who through Christ, which is the second part that I want you to underline, through Christ, and then I want you to underline this word that you see four times in the rest of this passage, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every time you see reconciliation, I want you to underline it. So you see reconciled, the ministry of reconciliation, was reconciling, and then you see at the end of verse 19, the word reconciliation once more. You can underline that. It shows up in verse 20 if you want to underline that, but we're not going to talk about that verse today. I don't want to steal it from Pastor Derek for next week. Now that we've underlined those three words, those are going to serve as our outline this morning, but we're going to actually do them a little bit backwards. Because see, if there was a big question that we're trying to answer this morning, it is, what does it mean to be reconciled to God? How is it possible? How did it happen? What are we being reconciled back to? You know, to be reconciled to something, it means there was something established before that we're returning to. What does it mean to be reconciled to God? How was it even possible? And then out of that, how do we flow into this identity that Paul calls us to, which is a ministry of reconciliation that he gives to us? 
So again, the word reconciliation shows up four times in these two verses. I'm going to give you a simple definition of reconciliation, and you might see it a few different ways if you were to Google it, but essentially every definition you see for the word reconciliation would say this. It would say something like, to restore a relationship between. It can either be two parties, it can be two people, it can be two businesses. It's to restore a relationship back to its intended purpose to the intended way that the relationship was. Now, when I think about this, I get one picture in my mind. When you go to family gatherings for Christmas, and maybe you see two relatives, and if you're someone there that's maybe a little younger like me, you may hear like, oh, these two people, they don't talk. Like, it's a miracle that they're even in the room together today. And most of the time, like, if you're the outsider in the gathering, you don't really get to find out what happened, right? Like, what messed up their relationship. You just know that something's wrong between those two people. Something at some point where somebody probably wronged somebody that nobody probably even remembers anymore means that two people won't talk to each other, and we better make sure we don't even leave them in the same room together. Because if we do, who knows what's going to happen, and so I begin to ask myself, I'm like, well, I wonder what it was like between those two people before everything went wrong. Like, what happened? What ruined their relationship? What got them to the place where people don't even believe that it's possible that they have reconciliation anymore? And then I begin to wonder, well, what would it look like if they went back to the relationship they had before? What would that look like? That's the picture that we should have in our mind when we're asking the questions of what are we being reconciled back to God to? Well, what happened? What went wrong? What was the relationship we had with God before we needed to be reconciled? What is he calling us back to? That's the picture that should kind of ring in our mind as we look at this passage this morning. Because I want to petition this to you. This again, this is where I like all our ears should perk up, even if we're the already believers in the room. We are being reconciled back to God for a purpose that's greater than just ourselves. I'll say that one more time. We are being reconciled back to God for a purpose that's greater than just ourselves. Maybe for some of us, we understand that God saved us, and we praise him for that, we thank him for that, but we sit in that saving and we never move beyond the next step, which Paul calls us to in this passage, which is the ministry of reconciliation. See, God is restoring us. He's restoring our relationship to him as God our Father, our Savior, through Jesus, all these things we praise and we sing, but God is also restoring something else that I want to petition to us this morning, which is a partnership with him in ministry. That from the very beginning of this earth, we were created, you can see this in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, which we'll look at here in a moment, we were, we, we were created to rule and subdue the earth as if God were the one ruling and subduing the earth himself. Check this out in Genesis 1, verse 26 through 28. It says, then God said, again, this is in the creation of the entire earth, in the creation of mankind, then God said, let us make man 
in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in the beginning, God creates mankind to rule the earth out of the identity he gives them. Again, we call this the Imago Dei. Big theological term. He, in the image that God created them, God calls them then to rule the earth as if they were God themselves. Not to be God, but to mirror God in the way that they rule the earth and the way that they live their lives. I would petition with you that this is a part of what God is working back to restore within us. That when God is reconciling us, he's not just reconciling us and saving us and giving us the gift of eternal life. He absolutely is. But even more than that, we are being reconciled back to a partnership with God in his work of ruling this earth. That God is calling us, once we are in Christ, once again, to partner with him in what he says is this ministry of reconciliation. If you've been reconciled to God, now you have the ministry of reconciliation. But see, what do we know happens in the very beginning? In the first question, okay, what was their relationship like? Well, that's what it was. It was this partnership. It didn't last very long. But there was this partnership. So then what do we know what happens? Well, sin enters the world. Man decides to break away from their partnership with God. Adam and Eve in the garden, eat from the tree of the forbidden fruit. Most of us know how the story goes. They're then kicked out of this garden. And then there's this separation between man and God. But God continues to have a plan to reconcile man back to himself. So then what enters into the, New Test or the Old Testament? We see covenants. If you're not familiar what a covenant is, a covenant is an agreement between two parties both saying that I'm going to hold up my end of the deal, you hold up your end of the deal, and here's the promise that's, what's, that's going to happen. So God takes these covenant treaties and he begins to make them with his people, the nation of Israel, promising to reconcile them back to him. The first covenant we see shows up in Genesis chapter 8 with Noah. The earth has become so full of sin after they've exited the garden, it became so full of sin that God decides to flood the earth to rid it of its sin. But then God promises to Noah, he says to him that this earth, in Genesis chapter 8, this earth will be a fruitful place for you to live, to grow, and I promise you I will never flood the earth again as long as you Stay obedient to me. Well, guess what? Noah doesn't do that. 
Then we see the second covenant that's made in Genesis chapter 12, and then you see it repeated again in Genesis chapter 15 with Abram. God goes to Abram. He chooses him for no reason other than this is the man that God chooses. It says, Abram, out of you I am going to make a great nation. The people of this earth will be blessed through you and your family. All you need to do is stay obedient to me. What's Abram do? He doesn't stay obedient. In fact, if you didn't know this, he tries to sell his wife twice to two different leaders. Definitely not obedient. Trying to get himself out of a scram, and he's like, here, take my wife. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. They don't, they, we, don't, we say don't do that in marriage counseling. So, <laughs> but, so Abram, we see this in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15. God establishes a promise. There's a commitment made between two parties. They even have this beautiful ritual ceremony to kind of seal this pact that they've made. And Abram doesn't hold up his end of the deal. This continues. God through Moses, the prophet, tells the nation of Israel as he releases them from Egypt that out of you there will be a great nation. Follow these laws, be obedient to me, and through you, you will restore once again the people of God on this earth. What happens? Worship other gods. Disobey. So then God, once again, comes back to King David. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And says, okay, we're going to try this again. God promises to them that if Israel remains faithful to him as a nation, out of this nation there will be born a Messiah. That will come to him. We know about Israel. Once again, they don't remain faithful. So God intentionally trying to restore a relationship he has with mankind that he's had since the beginning, once again, over and over and over again, commits to his people to say that if you do these things, if you remain obedient in me, here's what I'm going to do. And guess what? His people never remain obedient, but yet God still holds up his end of the deal time and time and time again. I love the way that the prophet Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah chapter 50. Middle school students in the room, you'll be familiar with this because we just looked at these passages. He describes the relationship of Israel with God as this. He borrows from two different pictures of ancient imagery, and one is the image of divorce. Now, you know, praise God for this, but in our society, when people get divorced, they can still get back together. Like, you can legally get divorced, and then you can decide to remarry. That, that's allowed. In the ancient world, that was basically impossible. Like if you decided to divorce somebody, you're not getting back together. It's not happening. And so Isaiah in chapter 50 says that through speaking the word of God to the people of Israel says, it's as if your relationship to God has been legally divorced. God has given you time after time these things to do. You've never done them, and here you find yourself, and how do you expect to restore your relationship with God? It's as if you are completely divorced from him. He borrows another ancient imagery, and this one's a little more graphic, and again, this is where we have to think the Bible's not prescribing this, but he's discussing this, where he draws from the imagery of ancient slavery. 
where God says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, it's as if you are a slave that has been sold from one master to the other master. How do you expect your first master to ever get you back? Because again, in the ancient world, once you sell a slave, you can't get the slave back. Again, this isn't endorsing slavery, but what he's doing, he's taking two legal documents, the prophet Isaiah, speaking the word of God, and he's telling the people of Israel that you are as separated from God as you can possibly be. That there is no hope in restoration because you simply have never held up your end of the deal. You've sold yourself to other gods. You've made pacts with other nations. God's promised you this, and then you decide to go do it your own way. This is the state that they were in with God. They were separated as if there was no return. But then God continued to have a plan to restore his people back to him. We see this beautifully in Romans chapter 5. If you want to turn there with me for a moment. Verse 6 through 11, where Paul discusses the state that we are in outside of Christ and the state that we are now in with Christ. He says this in verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we now have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, check out that word, to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So let's recap. We are gone, gone. Our relationship with God could not be more broken. There is no more reconciliation. Mankind never holds up its end of the deal, but yet God continues to remain faithful, continues to hold his promise to them throughout the entire Old Testament. To the point of which he says, I'm not only going to hold up my end of the deal, I'm going to hold up yours. So how are we reconciled to God? Well, we're reconciled to God because it's from God and it's through the work of Jesus Christ. Can we get that graphic on the screen here for a second? Uh, this one. See, this is what, how Paul describes it in his passage. He says, we are this and this is who God is. He says, we are powerless while God is powerful. We are the ungodly while we know that God is God himself. We are unrighteous but yet the righteous is the one who sacrifices himself for us. We are sinners, and yet God is holy. We are the receiver, and yet God is the one who gives himself up for us. We are guilty, and yet God justifies us. 
We are the enemy, and yet God is the great reconciler. We are lost, and through Jesus Christ, we have a Savior. This is what we are promised through God, from God, through Jesus Christ. This is the beautiful imagery of the reconciliation we have to God. Let that never be old news to us. Let that be the message that rings on our heart every single day, especially as we find ourselves in a world where guess what? Millions of people still don't know that. May have heard the name of Jesus. They may have an idea of who he is. They may even know he died on a cross, but they don't know for what. You got to ask yourself of this. So we know now that we're reconciled to God, how it happened. But now, as Paul says, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. I wish I could talk to you individually right now, but that's impossible. We would be here all day. I would love to know how you ended up in this room today. What person shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ with you? Maybe Stones Crossing Church was the first place you stepped into where you really began to understand who Jesus was. And man, that's a beautiful thing. That's why we do what we do. But maybe it was someone else. You know, maybe you grew up in the church and there was a faithful teacher in your children's ministry who week after week was trying to instill in you the message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was someone who invited you to church. And you walked in that place and for the first time you began to understand the impact and the power of what God has done for you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a brother, maybe it was a sister. Whatever it was, there's someone who got you here in this place today. Somebody who was reconciled to God and now decided that it was their part to partner with God in working that you would receive the same reconciliation that they received themselves. Some person, some group, something. See, But over time, for all of us, my hand flies up right in the air admittedly, we get to a place where we see that, we do that from time to time, but our mission with God shifts. It shifts to where we begin to think that God rescued me, praise be to God for that, but maybe he rescued me for all these other things. Like, goodness, like, I just, I just want to make sure that I can be the best husband I possibly can, and I want to be obedient, and I want all these good things, and I want to be faithful to him. I don't want to be sick anymore. God, rescue me for that. God, take away the pandemic. Rescue us from that. Those are all good things to pray for. But at the same time, have we recognized that the partnership that God has restored is more than just for our own security, for our own blessing, for our own goodness? It absolutely is. There is no more filling, no more fruitful life than life in Christ. Might not be exactly like you you think it's going to be. Might not be you get all the money you wanted. May not be your kids obey you you know perfectly because you raised them in church. It may not work out that way. But I still believe it's the most fulfilling life. But even more than that, God has called us back to a partnership with him where we are his plan to minister and reach the earth with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us 
in this room. I was reading um, in a book this past week, um, and they were sharing about this, this historical movement in the church that I had never heard of. Um, and some of you may be familiar with this because you may know history better than me. But in 1904, there was a revival in Wales. Um, and this revival began because there was a young man in the church named Evan Roberts. Um, Evan Roberts was not a pastor at the time. Um, he was just a regular church attender. And Evan Roberts um, decided that he was going to take seriously the call that God had put on his life, and he was going to welcome other people to do that with him. So in their small church in Wales, which if you didn't know this, there weren't a lot of churches in Wales at the time, Evan Roberts began to gather after service with 17 people. 17 people at their very first gathering gathered, and they said, we are going to confess our sin to one another. We're going to be committed to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We're going to strive to live by the Spirit. And we're going to tell other people about the gospel. We're going to wear the gospel message on our hearts and our minds everywhere we go. 17 people gathered with Evan Roberts after church services and began to pray for these things. Within two months, their gathering grew to over 70,000 people. Now, I'm not trying to say that's one-to-one. Like, you may not gather with your friends today, start praying, and you see this tremendous move of God. But I do believe that if you, each individual in this room, and us collectively as a body, said that we are going to take this year and we are going to work to practice our ministry of reconciliation, we're going to gather in prayer, we're going to be honest with each other, we're going to seek Christ in this place, and we're going to wear the gospel message on our hearts that people will be impacted around us. I mean, 70,000 people. And, and when I was reading about this, um, I was reading about it from the perspective of an English pastor at the time. <laughs> and so he just, probably like most of you in the moment, when he saw this, he's like, no way, this is real. Like, something's going on. So he decides to go to Wales himself, and he comes back to his church, and you can read all this writing about it, and he's like, no. These people decided they were going to take faithfully the call that God's put on their life, not only live for themselves, but live for one another and live for other people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And God is moving in their midst. So I think we have to ask ourselves, do we understand that we've been reconciled back to God for a purpose that's greater than just saving ourselves? It's a beautiful thing that God saved us, and I don't, I don't want to minimize that. I really don't even want you to feel guilty for it. Like, praise God for that. We can remind ourselves every single day that God saved us and we didn't save ourselves, and praise him for that and live out of that identity. It's a beautiful thing, but more than that, you have been restored and called back to this partnership with God that was established at the very beginning. That God had a plan to rescue this earth. That time and time again, mankind continued to never hold up their end of the deal, but yet God did. That is the story of the Old Testament. And now, through Christ, we are reconciled back to God. And given the ministry 
of reconciliation. That God didn't just save you for you, but he also has the purpose of saving you and reaching other people through your ministry to them. That through Christ, from God, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. Now, your next question is probably the practical how-tos. We're not going to get into those a ton today. I would be stealing Pastor Derek's thunder for next week. And I would encourage you to be back with us next week because next week we'll be talking about what do we do in this new life with Christ? How are we ambassadors? How do we not live for ourselves anymore? How do we pull ourselves out of kind of this desire in the world which is to kind of build up our own little personal kingdoms? How do we get past all that? How do we be ambassadors for Christ versus our kingdom? But I do want to leave you with a few closing thoughts this morning. First off, it's the first Sunday of the year. There is a good chance, and I hope this is the case, that there are some people in the room today that maybe you've never really thought about being reconciled back to God. Like maybe you came back in church because it was a discipline for you to step in this place, which is a beautiful thing, because you know church is a good thing for you, but you really don't know why. Maybe you've never came to that spot to truly understand what God has done for you. I want to remind you that you have the opportunity to be reconciled back to God through the work of Jesus Christ, just as every other person in the room who's a believer. That it is through God, through Christ, from God, that we are reconciled back to him. It's not a work of our own doing, and that is true for every single one of us in the room. So if you're somebody that you feel like you've got to kind of muster up the energy to be good enough for God when you came in this place, I hope you hear this morning that there is no good enough. It's never happened. Mankind has failed over and over again, and every single one of us in the room who we may profess to be believers in Christ, we are still constantly failing. But praise God, it's not by our power, it's through the work of Jesus Christ that we're reconciled back to God. You have that same opportunity in this place today. Young, old, middle schooler, high schooler, you have the opportunity to recognize what God has done for you in this place today. It's not about a moment, it's not about a prayer, it's about a mere reconciliation and recognizing that God is the one who did this for you and you're going to trust in Jesus and you're going to live out of that identity for him. So do you understand what God has done for you? Do you understand what Jesus has restored? How is this going to shape your life? How is this going to shape your year? Now for the rest of us, you know, those of us that maybe we've been followers of Christ for a long time, you know, on varying degrees, the closing thought I would love to leave with you is this. What does it look like for you to take part in partnering with God for the spread of the gospel this year? What does it look like? What does it look like to move beyond mere receiving reconciliation, but partnering with God for the work of reconciliation? What habits do you have to instill? What places do you need to go to? Goodness, I get it. I mean, I, I've, been a, I've been a pastor in the church for 11 years now. I do a lot, spend a lot of time with other Christians, which is a beautiful thing. It's great to be in Christian community. But I have to remind myself 
that there is a world who needs to hear the gospel message and I merely just can't live with those who already know it? What habits do you have to change? What places do you need to go? How are you going to partner with God in the spread of the gospel message this year? Because you have been made new in a Christ for a purpose that is the ministry of reconciliation. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, We're going to worship. But again, I just want to encourage every single one of us in a place, let's let's not let the work that God has done through Christ become old news to us. Let it be the motivator that drives every single day of our lives. Let us not see the world as a place where merely we live knowing we've been reconciled to God, but a place that we see ourselves now in a restored partnership with God to reach reach people with the gospel. That is what God has called us to. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you um, that God, while we are sinners, while God, time and time again, we've chosen ourselves over you, that God, you, through the work of Jesus Christ, restored ourselves back to you. That God, you've had a plan in your sovereignty since the beginning of this earth to restore mankind back to you, Lord. Father God, we want to sit in that and praise you for it. Father God, out of the reconciliation that you've done for us, you've now called us to partner with you in ministry. God, you've given us, every single one of us in the room, the call to seek people in this world who are not reconciled and work alongside you that they may be reconciled back to you, God. Let that be our primary motivator in life, Lord. That, God, you've restored us, you've made us new. You've given us your spirit to live by. Father God, we praise you that we don't go alone in this work. But God, you've called us to reach a hurting and dying world that needs the gospel message of Jesus Christ just as much now as they always have, Lord. Strengthen us motivate us even now in this moment Lord put people on our hearts put people on our minds that you're calling us to reach God that people in Center Grove, Johnson County Perry, Whiteland, wherever we're all from wherever we all live Lord that they would be impacted by the gospel message of Jesus Christ and we would be merely the vehicle in which you reach them with that We offer ourselves back to you just as that, Father. It's in all these things we pray in your Son's name. Jesus, amen.